when you want to form habits, one of the ways to do that, one of the strategies is take an existing habit and stack something on top of it. You want to establish a new habit, mm -hmm. attach it to an existing habit. Well, we all have to break our fast at some point. And so if you can have that meal at the same time, you can use that to stack other habits on right. Welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And our topic today is breakfast. We were thinking about a variety of ordinary things we wanted to talk about that we wanted to open up discussion with. And this was one for us for a number of reasons. Um, there's something so, so special about sharing a meal with people. And that's something we've we found in our family and our, in our community. But there's so many connections there. So connections with our faith, with the Eucharist. Um, there's so many practical, strategic elements of where the meals fit in your day. Um, it's just this ordinary piece of life that, again, we want to pull out and examine because it's just there's just so much opportunity there that the Lord gives us. Um, yeah, it is this absolute ordinary, yeah. ordinary piece of life, but it has, it really has become our family liturgy. Hmm. Breakfast times, in particular, have become the liturgy of our domestic church, and it grew that way organically. So I kind of want to set the stage. Um, we have a very tiny house for smashing seven and counting people. I'm not pregnant, but we, <laughs> we're open to more. Yeah. <laughs> we're open to more. Um, we have a smallish house, um, but our house was in a fire about six years ago, six years from when we bought the house. We didn't start Shoot. the fire. Yeah, we didn't. It was already, already burning. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the world's been turning. Um, Ryan started the fire. <laughs> Anyone will have an office episode. That's foreshadowing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to our home. Uh, so we have breakfast, not at our dinner table, but actually at the kitchen island, which is really the center and the heart of our home. I do most of my work from there. I have my meetings from there. We have most of our conversations there. And it's this room with vaulted ceilings because when the fire happened, um, the homeowner wanted to vault the ceiling up in this tiny little house. And it is gorgeous and it makes all the difference and we have a whole south facing like our entire house is just south facing windows and so there's tons of light tons of ceiling space and it's just this it feels like it feels like a church and i never realized that until just right this second right. but it does it feels like this church and so we all come together i'm i'm making breakfast near the kitchen island and we all come together at the kitchen island and we start with God, come to my assistance. And our kids know the response. Oh, Lord, make haste to help me. That's from um, the church's the church's daily prayer liturgy, um, the liturgy of the hours. And then we begin the gospel reading for the day. Our kids are still really young. So we have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old. And right now they're still really young. So we just do the gospel readings. Um, but everybody has to wait until we pray and they listen to the gospel and we have them now listen attentively for a word or a phrase or something that happens in the gospel that we want them to be able to articulate to us or think about throughout the day. Um, and then we pray and we break our fast. Um, and there's, we talk about our day. We've got our calendar right next to um, our breakfast table. And so it is, it really is, it really is a liturgy, mm -hmm. um, and and we miss 
the kids miss it when it doesn't happen. And it did come about organically. It came about first with the kids just being so little, trying to get them to wait to pray, to wait till they pick it, you know, pick at their food um, until after we've prayed. And then just little by little, we added the daily gospel reading, you know, and we did that for maybe two years. And now we've we added different things, you know, yeah. times, you know. So, but it really did come about organically. And I think that that was really important because it fits our house. It fits our family. It fits our needs. It fits their ages. Um, and there's a night, there's a piece about that, mm-hmm. you know, not hurrying into something too big, too fast. Right. You know, the point of us sharing that again, is not, there's nothing here prescriptive. We're not saying this is what we do. This is what everybody should do. But the point is we wanted to start the conversation, just giving you a little insight that this is what's developed organically from our exploration of this most ordinary of activities, you know, the breakfast, the breakfast table. Um, again, as I said, there's there's so much there to explore. I mean, the, the first one that I wanted to think about is just, um, you know, how special it is in general to share a meal with another person. You know, what a, what a basic human activity that is. Um, what a what a opening to conversation, an opening to communion. One of the best, and that's what we do instinctively and naturally and you know, when we meet somebody new, we, we well, let's have them to dinner or let's go get some dinner. It's such a human thing. Like we, we yeah, our instinct is there. It's in the scriptures a lot. Yeah. 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 When people come together, especially in the Old Testament, when people come together, they break bread and they have meals with each other. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my whole history of having meals, you know, growing up and going to school and then becoming a waitress and kind of just like smashing down my meals in the back room as fast right. as I possibly could during my break and then getting back out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't really until our family mm-hmm. that I enjoyed mm-hmm. and really understood what an opening meals were. Yeah. And I hate sometimes, you know, you're, you're always trying to get your kids to eat their food and eat your food, eat it fast, you know, like hurry up. Mm-hmm. Like it's not gross. It's the food you asked for, you know, and I, I, I try to catch myself, mm-hmm. you know, to just be like, you know, this is meal time. It should take a little more time. I need to have a little more patience. Mm-hmm. This is really precious. Right. Yeah. It puts us on a, a level playing field with other people. It's like we, we partake in this common human action, you know, that, that establishes an understanding and openness to people. There's this quote I found from Chesterton and he says, all true friendliness begins with fire and food and a drink and the recognition of rain or frost. Each human soul has in a sense to enact for itself the gigantic humility of the incarnation. Every man must descend into the flesh to meet mankind. Unquote. I always thought (laughs) it was amazing that when Jesus rose from the dead, yes, and he was calling to his friends on the boat, mm-hmm. you know, his little inside joke, mm-hmm. like, children, have you caught anything? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the boat. No. And then he says, cast your nets to the other side. Yeah. And they do it. And they're filled with fish and they know and they recognize him. Yeah. And they, you know, leap to the shore and they get there. And what does Jesus do? He cooks them breakfast. Yeah. Or when he meets the disciples on, on Maus Road, they don't recognize him until he sits down and he breaks bread. And it's in the breaking of the bread that they, they come to know him. Do you know, one of the most precious thoughts in reading the gospel is that Jesus had this other family. He had Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They weren't his disciples. They weren't the apostles. Right. They weren't the people that 
he chose to be the pillars of his first church. They were Jesus's friends. Mm -hmm. And when he encounters them in the gospels, it's over meals, mm -hmm. you know, that they're having at their house. Like this family was the family that hosted Jesus and his gatherings. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. they were the safe place mm -hmm. that Jesus chose to bring people together mm -hmm. and have host for him yeah. while he did his ministry. What a, what a precious, like, I can't wait to meet them in heaven and yeah. to know what kind of people our Lord was like mm -hmm. this family. Yeah. This family is what I choose. This home that they've made is what I choose. Yeah. It just, it almost gives me chills. It is, yeah. You know, it, it's no accident that the Eucharist is also called communion. You know, we often say in an apologetic sense, you know, contra, you know, what the world might think or what, you know, discussions with other people of other religious beliefs, uh, or even teaching our children, we insist, you know, that the Eucharist is not merely a symbol. Yeah, it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That is core to what it means to be a Catholic. And we totally, totally believe that. But one thing we mustn't lose in that is that the Eucharist is not merely a symbol, but it's still also a symbol too. It is really Jesus, but it's also a symbol. There's so much symbolic content in that real, in that reality of his mm -hmm. presence. So it is Jesus, but it also symbolically is a meal. Mm -hmm. It also symbolically is a sign of communion, an enactment of communion. It's in receiving Christ's true body, blood, soul, and divinity that we come into communion with him and we come into communion with other people. So again, normally in a, in a very human way, we approach a meal and that's how we come into communion with other people. Mm -hmm. Well, then mystically in this divine meal, we come into communion with all of the church, the whole mm -hmm. body of Christ. And so it elevates every ordinary meal truly and i yeah. say that tongue-in-cheek but it it is it yeah. does um the fact that that our lord chose a meal as yeah. the way he comes to us right makes every meal precious yeah. because you can you like you said you can commune with that that with christ in that person right who's sitting and sharing what yeah. will then become our flesh and <laughs> flesh and blood. Part of you know, what Chesterton was saying in that quote from earlier, you know, is about the, the you know the hum the humility of that meal. He says every every human soul has to in, in a sense enact for itself the gigantic humility of the incarnation. You know that when we think of the symbol involved in the Holy Eucharist, again, it is such a humble thing. God became bread. God became something we eat. But I remember having a, this playground dispute when I was a a young Catholic, my family was newly Catholic. I was arguing with some other kid, you know, they were like, you're, you're not supposed to chew on the Eucharist because it's Jesus. So you wouldn't want to chew on Jesus. And, and even, in, I couldn't put words to it, but even at that, that young age, I'm thinking, God, God became bread. He's going in our mouths, not chewing him is not somehow making this like kosher or like, no, that he, he did, he, it's a gigantic act of humility for God to become man and then to become our food. And so in, in the Eucharistic meal, there's this gigantic divine humility. In a normal meal, when we come together, we share simple food, we share simple conversation. I mean, that was another thing Chester mentioned in there. We get together and we make small talk. How's the weather? I'm not good at small talk. I don't particularly like it. But there's a, a sort of a sacramental quality to, to small talk too. You know, when I ask you, how's the weather? And we, we, we chortle about the weather for a few minutes. That's an act of humility. We're both human. We're both subject to rain and shine and the simple needs mm -hmm. of our bodies. It, it's, it, again, it puts us on common ground. It establishes the rapport as we are fellow human beings. and It opens up greater conversation. 
So you have this quote here that mm-hmm. you pulled out of Lord of the Rings yeah. by Tolkien, and I yeah. love it. Oh, you have your Lord of the Rings cup <laughs> linked below. You should have called this episode Second Breakfast. I mean, <laughs> that would have been... <laughs> How did we miss that? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So Tolkien says, If more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, then it would be a merrier world. But sad or merry, I must leave it now. Farewell. Thorin. Thorin. Yeah, the end of The Hobbit. Um, And when I started gardening and going to farmer's markets Hmm. and, you know, kind of interacting of where my food came from, It really opened up the sacredness of the food before. So we didn't have a lot of meals in our house growing up because both my parents worked and we were really poor. And so the majority of the time I ate at school, whatever they gave me, or when I did get a job, I ate in fast food restaurants and then I ate at my restaurant, whichever restaurant I worked at. Um, And aside from cereal and tuna helper, I mean, that was pretty much it. That's what I lived on. And when I started, when we got married, and I actually had to Google how to saute an onion. Yeah. I had no idea what that even meant, which is, you know, you put it in oil on a pan <laughs> and it cooks. I didn't even know what that was. So when I started actually interacting with my food more and growing my own food more, it, it really, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been brought to tears mm-hmm. over the fact that what I'm cooking right now came from my garden or my friend's garden or my friend farmer's garden or I interacted with this person who you know has his farm and he's selling it to me at the farmer's market it it there was just a metaphysical change Mm -hmm. and now I feel it when I get the box out and I'm like I don't know it it just it feels so different it feels less in a way less sacramental not that food from boxes can't be sacramental you know when you come together and talk with people but it did it really just changed the entire way that that I felt about cooking and giving food to people we we tell our kids so this came about when we started going to farmers markets right and we had friends who um, were slaughtering their own um, raising and slaughtering their own animals um, we started to tell the story of the food yeah, yeah. and our kids will, it's kind of like defeating in, in wintertime when kids will be like, tell me the story of the food. And I'll be like, well, this came from Costco, Costco. <laughs> and this came from Costco and this Kerrygold butter came from Costco, but it came from Ireland, yeah. I think. Oh. <laughs> but when it's, you know, farmer's market season or it's in season food, you know, these, I made it from these strawberries that we went and picked in that field. That one time we went to, jo- to Johnston's. Mm. Oh, like when. Jane came with us. Yeah, when Jane came with us. Oh my gosh, I had so much fun. It just it brings about this conversation when we we learn the story of our food, and it's it's been really precious. You know, so no, another uh, reason I wanted to focus on breakfast in particular as an interesting, as you know, as as a meal and as a concept, is this notion of breaking the fast, right? And that's built into the name here. You know, and one of the one of the things that we have. Um, the church gives us in modern life, it gives us the, the, the seasons, the liturgical season, feasts and fasts. And those, if we really embrace those, those really put some order into our lives, that, especially as our lives are so chaotic. You know, I, I can't remember the, the comedian, it was Jim Gaffigan or Brian Regan or somebody, but he, he made the joke like, well, what do we do on the 4th of July? Well, we eat a lot. Well, we do that every day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the point being, we, we're, we're a feast culture almost all the time. We never stop feasting. And the problem is if you have feasting without ever fasting, it kind of loses its charm. It loses its sacramental quality. We're mm-hmm. always just 
getting a bunch of food, wolfing it down quickly, and then heading off to the, the next thing. You know? Yeah, it kind of grew organically. Our breakfasts that we have the kids finish their chores before we start breakfast because it just falls into the schedule that way. Yeah. It's easier when mommy's to keep the kids out of the kitchen, mm -hmm. when mommy's cooking breakfast, mm -hmm. you have them do their chores. But it does kind of make the meal, I mean, we don't live in a culture where we have scant right now, you know, where we live in America in the time we we're not, you know, my kids are never really lacking anything. And if they think they're lacking, it's just in their mind or because they want a different choice, you know? And so th to be able to push breakfast just a little bit mm -hmm. to extend that fast, just a little bit through their, their tiny little chores, right. you know, and waiting and waiting until after prayer, yeah. it really, it's instilling in something that I don't really have a way in mm -hmm. our culture of plenty to instill properly into right. them. You know, another aspect of that too, you know, with, with breaking the fast, the first meal being part of the day, it's another aspect of meals and of breakfast in particular is the way that it gives, um, it gives, it, it, it plays into the daily liturgy. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about the, you know, the, um, the church has the liturgy of the hours, you know, prayers for each, all these moments throughout the day to structure your whole life uh, around prayer and the day. Well, meals play into that greatly, especially if you attach meal prayers mm -hmm. uh, to meals, that the meal ends up being this this pillar, this checkpoint, mm -hmm. this turning point in the day where you stop and you recollect yourself and you place yourself in the presence of God and you thank God for these gifts and you break your fast. Mm -hmm. You know, again, it's such, especially if it's regular, it's nice to, for meals to have that regularity, that routine, that liturgy to them. So that they, they 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 add to the structure, you know, uh, of the day, the intentionality of the day. Yeah, and as I was thinking about this before we uh, started recording this episode, mm -hmm. it occurred to me that you and I are standing at our kitchen island, so we're not having it at the dining room breakfast at the dining room table. We're right. standing at the kitchen island because there's simply not enough chairs, and the kids <laughs> take up the chairs, and who knows what happens when. <laughs> Mina, yeah, we were, we're at capacity already at the kitchen <laughs> island. Um, but we used to belong to a Dominican parish and the Dominicans are, were beautifully faithful mm -hmm. to the liturgy and they had beautiful masses that were very intentional that you could tell that the priest was submitting himself to the liturgy rather than, you know, being above it. Mm -hmm. um, and it occurred to me that uh, one time, we had asked, you know, why are the daily masses so fast? Mm. You know, because you have this church that has beautiful liturgy where you can tell that the priests love the liturgy, but then the daily mass or masses are like quick, 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 fast, 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 fast prayer. Everything is fast and it's over mm -hmm. in like maybe 20 minutes. I mean, it was a short, short daily mass. Huh. And so we asked them like, why is this mass so short? Mm. You know, sometimes they wouldn't even give a homily or they wouldn't do the peace, um, the sign of peace. And they said, because this is a working mass. This is the mass that the working people come to. It's our working mass because Dominicans, their their charism is study. So they need to return back to study as soon as they can. Um, but it was a working mass. It wasn't a Sunday mass. And so you would see, um, you'd see like painters in their, you know, painted clothes, you know, or you'd yeah. see the sisters coming in or the hospital workers yeah. or, you know, you'd see this uh, every class of person in their working attire. And it occurred to me when I was thinking about our breakfasts that it's kind of our working, it's our working mass it because yeah. it's starting the day. We're standing, we're all kind of attentive. We're mindful of all the things that we're going to do in that day. Yeah. And it's, it's our uh, domestic church working mass yeah. for the day. It's it's so beautiful. Yeah, I love that. 
and again, uh, we're focusing on breakfast in this episode, but we're all, you know, and more generally, we're focusing on meals. Breakfast may not be the meal that your particular family is able to celebrate together, but, you know, obviously trying to, as much as possible, have a meal, at least a meal, you know, where you're able to bring people together, um, you know, regularly to have that face time. I mean, that's another aspect of this, too. Um, again, thinking of the structure of the day, the liturgy of the day, um, we really need as parents, because our lives are very chaotic in, in the modern world and a bunch of kids running around, trying to have some order in the chaos is important. Um, and, you know, one of the ways that you have, when you're trying to do things in your life, you're trying to set goals and, you know, uh, keep the house clean, keep the kids fed and, you know, give them, give them time and attention. You have to have some routine for that. Otherwise you're, 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 you get deci- decision fatigue really quickly. If you mm-hmm. go into your day, just making it up as you go along, you got to have some planned anchor points. You know, we're going to have meals here. We do them in a similar way each time. Um, and what's, what's great, again, organically that's happened around our meals is we've packed a lot into a, a small package. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get to our morning meal, our breakfast, we've used it as the anchor point. We're going to get our chores done first. Mm-hmm. You know, so all, all the little kids run around doing their chores, and I'm usually helping one of the younger ones with their chores. And then we stop, and we go to breakfast, and in our case, we, we have a meal prayer, and we read the gospel with it, and we talk about it a little bit over breakfast. But we really use that, that, that anchor point also to have that FaceTime with people. You know, like that's this moment we stop, we pause before we go on with the work in the school, to look in the eyes, mm-hmm. to be there with them. Um, and, and so, so many, so we have the, the habits and the routines in the meal itself, but also it's a, it's an anchor point for other yeah. habits. There, there's this great book, I think it's um, called Atomic Habits or something like that. It, I can't remember the author's name, but he, he talks about this. They, they've, they've studied this neurobiologically about when you want to form habits, one of the ways to do that, one of the strategies is take an existing habit and stack something on top of it. If you want to establish a new habit, mm-hmm. attach it to an existing habit. Well, we all have to break our fast at some point. And so if you can have that meal at the same time, you can use that to stack other habits that's onto right. it. You know? Yeah, that's exactly how our, our breakfast now, mm-hmm. like if you were to come to our house now, you, know, you might get a little overwhelmed and be like, geez, like it's yeah. like I'm reading the the Catholic blog that has all the liturgy stuff and we can do it every yeah. day. You know, you'd probably come and see and be like, geez, we could just never do this. But it didn't start out that way. It just started with saying a meal or mm-hmm. saying a prayer mm-hmm. before the meal. And then little by little, as things worked, we attached them to it. And then we use the we use the meal. The kids, I don't know where this came from, but they always look at our calendar immediately. <laughs> As soon as like the prayer is over, they don't even eat. Frustratingly, we're like, eat your eggs. And they're like, and today is, and mommy, you didn't change the calendar date and this, and it's five more days till vacation. And grandma Julie comes today and farmer's market is tomorrow. You know, so um, they look at the calendar. They think about their day. They think about where it's going. Mm -hmm. And then we also use that as, as soon as breakfast is over, the little kids go play. And then we start school with the older kids. So it is just like this. It is this routine and it didn't start out that way. Right. You know, it just started out with a meal and a prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it is so easy to add those habits yeah. to an existing habit. I love, oh, I love that point. It makes, it makes my job as a mother a lot easier. C.S. Lewis uh, said in this, this sermon, The Weight of Glory that he, he preached, the sun looks down on nothing half so good as a household laughing together over a meal or two friends talking over a pint of beer. Um, I think the times you reading this, I think that the times that I've felt most like, Lord, take me now. Just take us all up 
right now have all been around, honestly, have been around the dinner table where, you know, some most most dinners are really frustrating because our kids are really young, have no table manners. And it's honestly, when I'm pregnant, it's really gross the way that they're eating. And I want to like leave the table because I'm nauseated. <laughs> but some the the times when it does win and work, I mean, those times are when I'm just like, Lord, this is all so good. You can take mm -hmm. us all to heaven just right now. <laughs> like, yeah. What's your favorite breakfast food? Oh, is it cliche to say bacon? No. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> well, I like bacon, and especially when I'm pregnant, I like bacon. But I really like when I get to make the gluten-free pancakes that I make. Ooh, yes. I have this phenomenal gluten-free pancake recipe, and I will link it in the show notes because it is so good. And I, I don't remember where it came from. Ugh. It's not mine entirely. Yeah. I'll find it. But um, I like when we can do that. And I like yeah. when we have berries that we picked that we've frozen, and I can make them into like mm. sauce to go on top. How about you? I'm pretty standard too. My coffee, bacon and eggs, you know, once in a while, some buttered toast if I'm really, really feeling saucy. What are some practical ideas we can send people away with about the daily liturgy, meals, breakfast? Well, first of all, if you try something and there's no peace there, mm -hmm. ask it 20 questions. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when we, when we started out as being a young Catholic couple, you know, with kids who we were like, well, everybody says the rosary. Mm. That's what everybody does. We so we're all going to sit right together now. every single day and say the rosary. And it wasn't just messy. Mm. It was like panic inducing, angry making. Like it, it brought the rosary. My, my precious rosary <laughs> brought me zero peace and actually caused me to have panic attacks. At that time. But it, it forced me to be like, what makes me so frustrated? What am I angry at? What am I fearing? Yeah, what am I worried about? Am I about? fearing that like, we're just never gonna be a rosary praying family and all of our devotions are gonna go over by the wayside because this is not working? Yeah. Am I fearing that like, Mary's gonna be mad at me? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. just all these things, like where is this coming from? So if you decide to implement something um, from the top down and it doesn't bring you peace, ask it why, right? you know, and then also like what habit does your family do now that is like, you're, you're never going to give this habit up. It happens every single day. You know, maybe it's the only time, you know, one spouse is available. It's the only time you come together, look at that and find just one way, yeah. one way you can bring prayer into it. Mm -hmm. And again, if it doesn't work, pray about it, pray ask about yourself why, you know, talk to your spouse about it. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you feel awkward. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to acknowledge that awkwardness, you know, like, honey, it is really embarrassing for me to pray in front of you, but I'm really going to try, right. you know, or like when I put my hand on your shoulder to pray over you, like, I feel how awkward it is for both of us. And mm -hmm. I just, I need to tell you, I just really wanted, I really feel called to do it, you yeah. know? Nice. So. Yeah. I was going to say uh, another idea here is uh, commit to that meal prayer, um, but also don't be afraid to shake that up a little bit. So commit to doing a prayer. And if you're comfortable just you know praying from your heart, do that. But if you're not quite there yet, um, commit to praying, but maybe even pick a new meal, meal prayer. One thing we did mm -hmm. this year, you know, our family prays the blesses, O Lord, normally that, that normal Catholic meal prayer. But we decided, well, during Advent, let's go find a new one. And we'd heard our friends uh, pray this one and they came over to our house once and we're like, I got to find that one. And I found it. I don't know if it has a name. I think it's, it's from more the Eastern end of the church. Um, but it's, 
Um, may the poor eat and be satisfied. May those who seek the face of the Lord rejoice and may their hearts find life. Christ God, bless the food and drink of your servants, those who prepare it and those who receive it. For you are holy, our God, and we render glory unto you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. And we start praying that uh, at the beginning of Advent, just, just us praying it and reading our little paper, and now the kids know it. Yeah. We just did that for, for a season, and now that's another cherished little tradition that we'll pull out next Advent and do it again. Yeah. You know? I do want to say, though, yeah. that they fought at the first few meals. Yeah, that's right. So just know that. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, parents, what beautiful, I appreciate this beautifully worded prayer. Yeah. It was not. They were not okay with it. There were some tears. Okay. Um, but it became, it was very much loved. One thing that I like that we implemented just this last summer, actually, um, is Mass Impact's Lit Guide. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even though we pull it apart and stick it in different parts of the day, um, at mealtimes, like at dinner, yeah. we have their fun questions that they came up with. They're yeah. fun and serious questions. There are some serious questions. There are some fun questions. And we, the kids love it. We love it. You know, some of the questions are like, what would you do with a million dollars? And then other ones are like, you know, what scared you the most this week? Right. You know, so there, there are just, there's a variety of different yeah. feels um, that you can pick from from that day. But that's really en enlivened our conversation. Mm -hmm. It gives something for, and we can, li we can link. Yeah, we'll link it in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Mass Impact is a, is a great ministry. We're good friends with, with Greg, the, the founder of that. And, and their lit guide, <laughs> yeah, Greg and Stephanie, their lit guide is this great service that they put out. It's a discussion guide, you know, for kind of running this a discussion and apologies and a gospel reflection with the family or with a group over dinner. It's really cool. We'll, we'll link to that. But again, thank you for joining us for this uh, discussion, this Elevate Ordinary discussion about uh, breakfast. Um, we really enjoy uh, sharing it with you. Uh, and we'd love to hear your uh, your favorite breakfast or meal traditions. You know, Let us know in the, in the comments. comments down below. Yeah. Yeah, so Join us again next time for another episode of Elevate Ordinary. God bless. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org/donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app/awaken.